0: bird's eye view is a member of the baltimore sports report network find more podcasts like this at baltimore sports baltimore sports <laughs> Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for lack of insight and baseless opinion. Today is July 31st, 2017, and this is Episode 211. My name is Jake English.
1: And pitch hitting for Scott Magnus, this is Derek Arnold.
0: On today's show, we'll soak up some of the free content associated with the trade deadline.
1: And I'll also get in on some of that sweet, sweet fantasy boss action.
0: But before that, we'll uh, lubricate the show. It's time for the drink of the week. Derek, what are you drinking this evening?
1: I am drinking a Flying Dog Numero Uno Agave Cerveza. Uh, It is uh, far from my favorite beer by the fine folks at Flying Dog up in Frederick, Maryland, but I had a little bit of a drive to get here to SD Studios, and the 4.9% alcohol is just what the doctor ordered.
0: Hey, it's great during the summer. I try to avoid doubling up week after week, but I am again enjoying a gin and tonic. Um, And if you hear clinking during the show, that's because the the show needs an extra bit of lubrication. You can find out what we're drinking uh, for the drink of the week on the regular by joining us on Untapped. You can find me at JakeE4025. You can find Scott at MAGN8606.
1: And you can find me at Nessminder. And that concludes the part of the show where I will have anything at all productive to add.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, in that case, uh, we should probably wander over and see what's going on in the medical wing. look there's nothing going on in the uh in the medical wing there are no readily handy excuses for the Orioles right now uh in fact you might even say that the fact that J.J. Hardy is on the DL is a is a boost rather than a a hindrance to the team Hardy's still on the DL he was moved to the 60 day Flaherty is still doing whatever it is that Flaherty's do to try to get back Santander is still not being given back to the uh Red Sox what's the deal with Mark Trumbo though
1: yeah, uh, Trumbo, who the other day was, uh, I think Sunday was scratched from the lineup right before the game and got O's Twitter all buzzed. That That's made, not suspicious at all. That maybe the Orioles somehow dumped that contract on someone, and we were very excited. Um, turns out he just uh, supposedly uh, hurt himself lifting weights, which is what one does before a baseball game. Um, but he was put on the 10-day DL today, They call calling it a rib cage strain. He has an MRI schedule for tomorrow. Uh, I don't know about you, Jake, but I'm pretty sure Mark Trumbo, who was mired in 0-for-19, may have found Ubaldo's pothole.
0: I think it's a, a good possibility. Uh, I can't imagine, though, that a major league club would play fast and loose with a 10-day DL. I mean, now that that's here, th- that's sacred, right?
1: Yeah, or with you know any rules that you can sort of bend around. Uh, that's nothing that any team, especially the Orioles, would do.
0: Of course, of course. Well... Not much going on in the medical wing, but there's a ton going on in the interwebs, and I think that we should find out what's going on in 140 characters or fewer this week on the Twitters. I want to start with, uh, well, Hugwatch. It's real, and it is far from spectacular. First, let's go to a tweet from David Hall, VP. This is, of course, the David Hall who writes for uh, the Norfolk Tides. Not saying there's anything to it, but a Norfolk infielder, Chris Johnson, was just lifted for a defensive replacement in the sixth inning. Hashtag Orioles. Look, there's no reason that we should have to pay attention to stuff like this. And just one more. Andrew Stetka, who of course, tweets at a Stedka. If the hashtag Orioles actually just found someone to take Mark Trumbo, maybe the Helixon deal can be forgiven. So again, just as you uh, as you were concerned, there's always something else behind the moves around Hugwatch,
1: our uh, our next tweet comes from ben badler he tweets at ben badler and he has this to say one of baseball's great traditions the orioles giving their international bonus pool money to other clubs and this was after the uh su kim deal the other night which of course the-, the orioles take any opportunity they possibly can to send away that international bonus pool money
0: it's like uh, confederate money The next uh, tweet comes from Dan Zimborski, who tweets at D Zimborski. Seriously, after the way Kim was treated in Baltimore, if I'm a KBO hitter, I'm not sure I'd even consider signing with the team. Now, that's an interesting thought. Derek, what do you think? Outside of the, at one point, official ban on the Orioles when it comes
1: to South Korea,
0: what do you think of an unofficial ban, as far as the players are concerned, not wanting to be treated this way?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is sort of a... Tin foil hat thing, if you would like to think of it that way, but one of our uh, Utah State Report writers, um, Jonathan French, I know he has some opinions that a lot of people maybe find grating, but he is a huge Yunsu Kim fan. And um, he's been saying for a while that the way Buck Showalter and the Orioles treated Kim cannot reflect well upon them when it comes to their chances of signing a similar player in the future.
0: Do you think that holds any water, or do you think money's money?
1: I would say probably the former, just because I'm a pessimistic Orioles fan. And if something can go wrong, it will go wrong. And if if they can make something worse by just not making any sense, they're happy to do that. And so that's what I'm going to say happened here until we see our next uh, Great Korean Hope. Sure. Our next tweet,
0: I I just can't. uh, This tweet makes me sad on so many levels. This is a tweet from the Phillies organization, who tweet at Phillies. Hashtag Phillies. Traded Jeremy Hellickson and Cash... To Baltimore for outfielder Hunsu Kim, left-handed pitcher Garrett Clevenger, and of course, international amateur signing bonus
1: pool space. I think that's just attached to any contract the Orioles send anywhere. It's just like Monopoly money they staple to the bottom.
0: I, I think it's a uh, it's a form letter, and they just you know they forget to take it off.
1: It's quote unquote forget. How much more could they possibly have to give away?
0: You know, I have no idea. I don't even know. (laughs) I don't know
1: how these things work. I don't pretend to.
0: And we talk all the time about, you know, the team doesn't care about it. How much more are other teams using it versus the I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It is a story, though. I mean, I'm not making light of it because it doesn't matter. It's just interesting the fact that the Orioles do not, as an organization, believe in it at all. Right. Particularly because they're so good at finding diamonds in the rough.
1: On their own. Yeah, like to completely cut off a, a, a huge pool of talent seems like good business.
0: So I want to talk about what I find to be an incredibly annoying grudge, and that is between the Baltimore Orioles and Major League Baseball. This is a tweet that comes to us from Jeff Long, who tweets, at Jeff Long BP. Reminder that this All-Star game is the continued punishment of the Orioles by Selig for a bad deal that he agreed to. With a great, uh, uh, link to a great article that you should go check out on Baseball Perspectives by Mr. Long. And this is ridiculous. You know, the, the Orioles, uh, made a deal with Major League Baseball to allow the Nationals to, to come into their territory. And whether or not you think that was a good decision or not, whether or not you thought it was fair or not, you know, whether or not you're moved by the fact that the Washington Nationals are the only baseball team that don't control their own media rights, all that aside, it is the deal that was signed. And the ownership group that took over after baseball, which owned the team, made the deal, it was not a surprise to them. And so at this point, all that's happening is that the deal is being negotiated out the way it was supposed to. I don't, as as much as I view Peter Angelos as a villain in so many ways, this is just one where I don't. And looking at the way that the All-Star Games have been awarded as the jewel of baseball in Camden Yards sits and waits for another All-Star Game, it's petty. It's petty, and it's petty with money, which is just ridiculous.
1: Yeah, it's awful, and it makes everyone involved look like some children. Like you said, you have this gem of a field that everyone still loves, everyone talks about, and it's been 24 years. Is that right? Yeah, 24 years since the last All-Star game there. Um, They are absolutely, quote-unquote, due for another one, and yet there is no indication that it's going to happen, and everyone just sort of knows that it's because of this silly little mess and MLB feud
0: sure I mean going in the National League three times in a row awarding it to Washington Toronto I mean geez you know who who else can they can they give it to that the Orioles have lately had beef with
1: all right our next tweet uh, that this one was from this afternoon this comes from Evan Grant he tweets at Evan underscore P underscore Grant wonder if once again the Orioles will fail to use Britain when it most matters Ooh, that hurts that is a painful one. Uh, we'll talk more about that in a few minutes. But, of course, that is uh, in reference to today's uh, 4 p.m. trade deadline, which just passed. Our final tweet this week on the Twitters comes from Chris Dufresne. He tweets, at Duff Rankman. Yeah, You heard that right, at Duff Rankman. He did it. Albert Pujols caps big day by grounding into 350th double play, tying Cal Ripken Jr. for MLB record. Hashtag LA Angels.
0: A dubious distinction, but I gotta be honest, I thought it was kind of cool that Cal Ripkin, who had this illustrious, amazing career, who was remembered for so many great things, not only here in his hometown, but abroad, uh, also had this, this terrible record to his name. I, I thought it was kind of cool,
1: the, uh, the Alpha and the Omega, if you will, but
0: now the time has passed.
1: I'm sorry, Kyle. And you know what? If someone had to take it from you, why not Albert Pujols? <laughs> and he's still got plenty of time to play. So he, oh, yeah. He's probably ground double plays right now. He can put that like well away. Well, Yeah, well in the rear view. He,
0: he can put it out of reach the same way uh, Ripken put the streak out of reach. But, hey, Cal Ripken's time may be past. Something else passed this afternoon, and that's the trade deadline. Let's take a quick break and come back and talk all about the fun that was the MLB trade deadline. Well, let's take a look at this. The Orioles' status at the trade deadline. As of today, the Orioles are five and a half games back in the wildcard race. They're six and a half games back in the AL East. And if you're crazy enough to think that the Orioles are not out of the race, well, are you crazy enough to think that the Orioles aren't out of the AL East too? I think that's crazy talk. I mean, the Orioles are 500 since the All-Star break, and to me that's too little too late. But if it sounds crazy to you, I need you to know, Derek, that Dan Duquette is a special kind of crazy. He, uh, he gave some interviews today talking about just how in the thick of things his team was. Uh, a lot of great quotes. I pulled these from Baltimore baseball today or baltimorebaseball.com, uh, from Dan Connolly. I just want to cover this one, which is quote, there's still hope for 2017. The Orioles believe there's hope for 2017. The ownership group believes there's hope for 2017. So we're going to keep playing the schedule. That does not look like a club that is facing reality. Derek, am I looking at this too darkly? Is it possible that I am not seeing reality?
1: I'll say this. We have to give Dan Newcat credit here in sticking to the company line. He's been saying this every time he's been in the booth for the last six weeks. He's been saying he said this at the the, uh, season ticket holder forum a couple weeks ago that had everybody mad. And we sort of just thought he was blowing smoke, you know. You can't come out and say we're not any good anymore. Uh, you know, we're going to get rid of everybody, and then no one comes to the games. We, but we said, yeah, you know, they 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 have to see what's going on here, right? Yeah, the other thing,
0: though, is that you can continue to say that everything's fine, and the team can lose, and then nobody can show up to the games. Yep. I, I at least you know appreciate not being lied to my face. That's a thing,
1: right? Yeah, and <laughs> there's definitely you know that way to look at this. I don't think you're looking at things too darkly. I think the majority of Orioles fans, unless they have the thickest orange glasses imaginable, were sort of hoping for at least a mild sell off.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it really comes down to this, and Scott and I have talked about this a couple of times on the show. You could either sell or buy, but there was nothing less than the cupboard, or you could push it down the road one more year before all the contracts expire and you can try one last glorious time in 2018. So this, this trade deadline really came down to what can we do to make ourselves better now because we're not crazy far out of it without giving away so much that we kill our chances for 2018. And if we can do anything else to increase our chances of competing in 2018, let's do that as well. Um, And whether or not you agree that that's prudent, whether or not you, whether or not that's what you would have done, that is clearly what the Orioles are doing. Like that is their strategy. And I can uh, scream into the microphone in my mother's basement on Monday nights as much as I want. And that's just not going to change. So if we reset our expectations and we, we define success as trying to be better now, even by a little bit and trying not to shoot ourselves in the foot next year and maybe even helping ourselves out for next year and beyond setting the bar of success there,
1: I would ask you, how did we do? If that's the bar for success, I would say that um, they sort of missed the boat on a couple things that I would have liked to see happen. Like, I wasn't surprised, per se, that Zach Britton's still here, that Brad Brock's still here, obviously that Manny Machado is still here. Uh, He wasn't going anywhere. I sort of thought um, if they could get something that they wanted for Britain, they would have done it. But that didn't happen, so where are we now? As far as Dan Duquette and what he sees for the future, I sort of expected more of a half-read tool for 2018 as opposed to burning the house down, starting over, especially since he's only signed through next year. You know, what happens in 2019, which all Orioles fans are worried about, is at the moment, to be fair, not Dan Duquette's problem.
0: Right, not important to him.
1: Not Buck Showalter's problem, not Adam Jones's problem, not Manny Machado's problem. And so... With that in mind, I would have expected maybe a guy like Wellington Castillo, Seth Smith, maybe even Brad Brock to go and bring back not much in return, but perhaps something. Yeah,
0: but the thing is is that what is that something? You you and I and every other Orioles fan thinks that we know what the appropriate value is for a player, and I guarantee that we don't. <laughs> you know, as much as as I, you know, pretend to be an expert, you know, we're just so far away from those rooms. And when I look at the the trades that, that got made today outside of the Orioles, I was really surprised by what the market actually bore. And I, I wonder how much of that is just, you know, us being amateurs, and how much of that is the wild card race changing the way the trade deadline is executed by all teams. Fewer teams willing to give up talent and because you have less competition in the air, maybe you don't have to give up as much.
1: Yeah, and um I think Dan Duquette also said that they were trying to work things for Britain, but the market for relief pitchers this year was not what it was last year. And as much as Orioles fans for the last month have loved to look at what the Yankees got last year for Chapman and Miller, and said we can do that too, you know, we hate to admit it, every year is different. Um, you know, the ebbs and flows of what the market dictates. In the end, we'll all be glad if we find out that the deals that were on the table for Britain really didn't live up to what we wanted and therefore Dan Duquette didn't make a trade just to say he made a trade. Sure.
0: I think the only thing that's unfortunate is that Britain was really the best trade chip that we had in the fact that uh, a like a lockdown lights out closer is a complete luxury when your starters are getting kicked out in the fourth. If you're incapable of getting lead, if you're incapable of holding lead, if you're incapable of scoring runs, you don't need an all-world closer. And the, the rest of the bullpen probably good enough. So it's just a shame that this perfect trade chip that they had wasn't a good fit for the market. So what did they do? Well, they went out and they got Helixson. They went out and got Helixson, and I feel like the package, and we laughed about the international bonus. Bonus money. I don't think that they gave up a ton for him, unless you know Clevenger goes on to have a, a bang-up career. And we weren't using Kim anyway. But my question is, all right, so you now have Jer- Jeremy Helixson, who had one good year that one time. Can he be better than the... Uh, borderline MLB history worst starting rotation that we've got. And then who do you drop from the rotation?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm with you on they didn't give up much, you know, because we don't know what Garrett Cleveland will be. And whatever he ends up as somewhere else, it's not fair to say he would be that here, as we've said, about so many pitchers and the way the Orioles do not develop them. I was a big fan of Kim. They weren't using him. I'm happy to see them. Move him along to where he can do something else. As for Helixson, I don't know how his 5.21 Ks per nine makes the Orioles' rotation any better. He averages 5.2 innings uh, per start in the National League East, pitching against the Marlins and the Braves and stuff. He's had some success in the AL East. Uh, he was with the Rays from 2010 through 2014. But is he still that guy who can come in and, at least sort of settle the ship, give us six innings and not the same six innings that we're going to get from Wade Miley and Ubaldo where, yeah, he ate innings and we're losing seven to one.
0: Right. But I I do wonder like here on Monday night, we're watching Ubaldo Jimenez pitch and so far the the house isn't on fire, but you know, there's always time. Ubaldo has been a mess. Miley's been a mess. You know, Chris Tillman has been very disappointing. Dylan Bundy's running out of gas. And until very recently, uh, Kevin Gosman was a train wreck. Who do you bump out?
1: Yeah, I, I'm wondering if it, it'll be something where everyone gets skipped every other time except for maybe Kevin Gossman. Is that something they could do? Could Buck get creative, go to a six-man rotation, give everyone a little bit more rest? Um, I don't think that's what'll happen, but you know, I could also see something like Dylan Bundy um, maybe finding that pothole that Mark Trumbo's got his foot stuck in right now. As far as Ubaldo and Miley, you get what you get with them, and I feel like at this point, um, Buck is happy to just roll with them. And so maybe of those options, I think Bundy going on the DL.
0: I think that is the most likely. I, I think between Obaldo and Wade Miley, between those two, it would probably be Miley that would get the boot. Only because from an organizational pride standpoint, I think they've stuck with Obaldo this long stubbornly that it would be a real something for them to to part ways with him. And he does throw a gem every, every once in a while. Whereas with Miley, the every once in a while is the, oh, he didn't explode.
1: Right. Um, I'm curious to get your opinion. I've seen um, sentiment sort of divided on this, whereas some fans think that Obaldo's still here because Dan Duquette is holding on to his own pride, that he made that signing and he's going to get something out of this darn it. And there's another group of fans, and as far as I know, no one knows the answer to this, who says that the owner just refuses to eat that contract. And he has for the last two years, the people have said, cut this guy. And he still does with two months to go.
0: I I think with as much money as has been thrown away over the last five years, it is hard for me to believe that Baldo Jimenez is here because Peter Angelos doesn't want to waste the money. I think there has been so much waste as far as salary is concerned with spending it in the wrong places, cutting and trading players, that, that you're swapping out salaries. I don't think that that's a problem. And if you look at how much money has been spent on salaries and how much that's increased over the past five years, I really think that we're running out of the the crying poor excuse. I'm not saying that, that Angelus is a great guy. I'm not saying he's a good owner. I'm not saying he shouldn't pry open his wallet further. I'm in danger of defending Peter Angelos twice in the same podcast. sorry to do that to you, man.
1: But I I don't think it's the money
0: thing. I I, I think it is a combination of pride, of we made this largest acquisition for a starting pitcher that we've ever made, and we're going to make this work, darn it, combined with a we don't really have a whole lot better in, in the wings with Tyler Wilson and with Mike Wright and... Even though Baldo Jimenez is a mess, we gotta hope that every third time he spins a gem and we get a, you know an eight point two inning uh you know one run outing out of him and they're just you know waiting for that to show up. That that's what I think.
1: You um you mentioned some names there, Tyler Wilson, guys like him
0: begrudgingly, yes. Gabriel
1: Noah, Logan Verrett. Don't you think that maybe they could have gotten some guys for hyunsu Kim? And international money, which, you know, please take this from and, us. And we we, don't want we've
0: it. got so much of
1: it. Use that and maybe get a guy who's not in a contract year who could maybe, you know, have a high ceiling of being a number five starter next year. You know, I, I just would have rather seen that trade go for someone like that, that has some hope for next year, not a free agent at the end of the year, who can help this rotation next year.
0: I agree with you, but I don't think that guy exists. I don't think that there's an extra starter hanging about in the league. I think if you're good enough to be in the majors, you're in the majors. You know, there's, there's no team that's got the spot starter hanging out in, in the bullpen that isn't getting the shot. There, there's nobody hiding out in the minors who's, you know, a known quantity as far as the team's concerned that they can come in and be a spot starter, right? It's all crapshoots and it's, it's diamonds in the rough and it's surprises. And the only way we find out about that is by giving them a shot. And unfortunately, the guys that we gave shots to this year couldn't hack it. And you can you can blame that on whatever, you know, Roger McDowell or the individual players or, you know, having built the 2017 on an Indian burial ground, whatever you want to say it, it was, you would think that the quantity of Wilson and Wright and Enoa and Verrett and all the other guys that were, that were there, that somebody would have been able to give us, you know, five innings every fifth day and not crap their pants. But we
1: just, we couldn't. Right that somebody would have been Ariel Miranda <laughs> or um I I'm drawing a blank. What's the fellow's name who we got rid of? Parker Bridwell. Sure. Five and one with a two eight three sure. ERA. It sure would be Davies. nice for us I mean, to be on, yeah. taking advantage of that.
0: But you know what? Those corner outfielders we got, they were they were important. All right. So I want to talk a little bit more about some of those uh, ghosts of, of deadlines past, but before we leave Helixson, I don't think this hurts. I don't think this hurts the Orioles, and I don't think we
1: gave up too much. Do,
0: do you disagree with that assessment?
1: I do not. Um, in a vacuum, the move, the move is fine.
0: Right, and it's lateral at worst. Yes. All uh, right, let's talk about Tim Beckham, and I, I just want to say this. Tim Beckham has owned the Orioles this year, so it's kind of nice to not have to worry about him anymore. Um, but Tim Beckham was acquired uh, late at the deadline, uh, like four o four. Right, it
1: it came through,
0: and and for reasons, is, for reasons is all I can say. So w- tell me, who is this Tim Beckham?
1: This was nuts, man. There were no indications, there were no rumors. You know, not even like the fake Ken Rosenthal was saying Tim Beckham is going to the Orioles because who would retweet that? But <laughs> you know, it, it came literally out of. I don't not literally because he plays shortstop. It came out of figuratively out of left field, <laughs> and you know, Orioles Twitter was just sort of head spinning. Like, w- what? Who? Why? Um, Tim Beckham. He was the number one overall pick back in two thousand eight,
0: and that means something to Dan Catigan. If you're a former <laughs> first round pick, if you're a former first overall pick, you have value. You have had value at some point, and so he is going to invest in you heavily.
1: Yeah, let's let's try to get whatever we can out of that. He's a He's, he's the owner of a career two forty seven two ninety nine four twenty one slash line. He strikes out about thirty two percent of the time. He'll fit so right he it's right in there, um, with not much power unless he's facing Dylan Bundy apparently. Um, but he
0: can play well in Camden Yards. I mean let's let's face it.
1: Yeah yeah yeah. He's like you said. He, he's owned us. I vividly remember him hitting two home runs. Two home off, runs the same game. Off, uh, yeah, off Bundy. Um, so. You know the upshot is that he is under team control through 2020. He is a utility infielder, um, more of a shortstop, we think, but who, who knows? Like some people are saying, he might be penciled in as the the starter next year. Obviously, JJ Hardy's time in Baltimore, uh, the sun is setting on that. Womp womp. I think we all know that. Um, or is this going to be a guy who's going to replace like Ryan Flaherty, who's I saw the other day turned 31, which and he's making a
0: million and a half dollars,
1: which is ridiculous. Yeah, so i I have no idea what they have in store for Tim Beckham. Um, this is another one that, in a vacuum, it's it's fine. It's just not what Orioles fans wanted at four four on trade deadline day.
0: Well, that's the that's the thing. I actually don't hate the Beckham move, and I'm not saying it's it's going to be great. I'm just saying I don't hate it. And the reason I don't hate it is because we need an infielder at least. And with any baseball team you are not going to have an all-star in every position, right? You are not going to have nine Manny Machados and five Clayton Kershaws. It's just not going to happen. So you look around that infield and you look where you're spending the money. If you've got one guy that's just meh, that's probably okay. That's probably okay if Manny Machado isn't having a terrible season and, 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 and that's yeah. happening this year. But I think that if you are going to invest in a team in other ways to try to make another run at it in 2018 and shortstop is just, the place where you're going to lose instead of running out a a Ruben Tejada or a good Lord, a JJ Hardy, maybe a Tim Beckham is the kind of guy that you need to put there with heavy rotation in from your utility infielder, who may be Ryan Flaherty or someone else like that, you know, maybe even a Ruben Tejada and kind of plug the hole. Not a great player, but not terrible. And you can see what you got for the next three years.
1: Yeah. And, I believe he's 27, um, you know, his, his numbers are coming up a little bit. And, you know, if the plan is for him to go into spring training 2018 as the shortstop, that's fine with me.
0: And again, we gave up a... Aberdeen pitcher, we right? Gave so, up a low A pitcher. Remember
1: the name Tobias Myers for when he goes fifteen and two for Tampa in twenty twenty one. By the way,
0: Scotty lost his mind with the Arrested Development references once we got a Tobias involved.
1: I saw those poor spastics saying, "I wish we were still on Twitter." And I said, "Dude, B V's got this. They're on it." We just wish that spastics were still recording. So um,
0: I, I don't, I don't really have a problem with the Beckham move. But again, I think you hit it on the head. Not what you wanted to see at four Oh four. I will say, however, that the Baltimore fans probably could not have been satiated. There was no way to satisfy. We're pissed with the way the season's going. Uh, we're basically, you know, inches away from grabbing the pitchforks and the torches as it is. I I think the Orioles were between a rock and a hard place. And I I tweeted out today, you you know, the Orioles only have X minutes to let everybody down no matter what they do. Um, outside of trading away Britain and getting something of value either for, for next year or the, the distant future for us just to screw up. I think lateral moves or inaction is probably the best that we could have hoped for. And that's what we got. And I, I hope that doesn't sound too much like, like uh orange tinted glasses, but you know, I, I'm a big proponent of beating them up when they deserve it. And also not jumping in with the mob when they're getting beat up, you know, without reason.
1: Right. Just for no reason. Um, I don't disagree. Um, I think you and I are of the age that we lived through the 1998 through 2011 dark years, and we very vividly remember it. And then, if you read through Orioles Twitter, a lot of the people who have been saying, you know, not just trade Britain, but so, trade Brock and trade Machado and burn this thing down and rebuild, it'll be easy. You'll, you'll be contending again in 2019. It's mostly the people about 10 years younger than us who see other, you know, they see Houston doing that. Sure. It would be great if, you know, you could flip a switch and say, all right, now we're rebuilding, and two years we'll be good again. Those of us over, you know, 32, 33 years old, we do not trust the Orioles to do that right. And as a result, we are sort of relieved that they're saying, you know what, let's try to win again in 2018.
0: You know, it's funny because I feel like there have been very few sexy Orioles trade deadlines, right? Even when they were good. And during the dark ages, the trade deadline passed, and it was terrible. It was a terrible day because you would watch other teams get better. You would watch other teams get better who were then going to go and make the playoffs. And it was always, you know, the Yankees and the Red Sox and, you know, the Angels and whoever. And from the Orioles' standpoint, you didn't have any really good players anyway. So you knew that you weren't going to really be involved. And so the question was, like, what other has-been are we going to get? Or, you know, can we maybe trade something off that will make us a little bit better? It was just a depressing day. And then when the Orioles got good, I don't really feel like the trade deadline was that great. And, in fact, there was an article that Paul Fulkemer put out on Baltimore Baseball Dot com and he gave some grades of Duquette's summer deals with the Orioles, and I, I encourage you to go out and take a look at that because I, I don't want to read it to you over the, the podcast. But warning, couple- it is a
1: slideshow. <laughs> Paul, come on, man, it's a great article, but slideshows.
0: But a couple notables: these are these are deals that I forgot about. Right, you, you all remember the 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 Para deal. You remember the Diazza deal. But hey, you remember Jim Tomy? In 2012, I think that that was actually an August deal rather than a, a tread, trade yeah, deadline deal
1: after the waiver. Yeah.
0: Um, but uh, Francisco Rodriguez, I, I com- again, I have completely blocked that Locked out, that and that out. was supposed to be good. Yeah, didn't work out so well for
1: us. That's funny, man. I um, I for some reason I remember both of those. Jim told me I have a specific memory of him hitting a ball that I thought was out in Boston it was heading toward the, fe- the pesky pole. And it bounced on that, you know, the stupid little corner over there. But the reason I remember Jim Tomey most is because there was some anecdote around that he was the one that convinced Chris Davis to use a freaking oak tree for a bat, you know, to get the forty ounce bat or whatever it is he started using. That the next year, worked, the, Cadillac. the next year worked wonders. If you remember Chris Davis in twenty thirteen, and that's been, you know, in in the subsequent years, I've been saying Chris use a lighter bat, man, <laughs> just try <laughs> to put. The bat on the ball.
0: Look what you did, Jim Tomey. Yeah, right.
1: So, yeah, that's why I remember Jim Tomey. Francisco Rodriguez, I remember because I like to call him H-Rod because, and I saw this in Paul's article, and it it's one of those things where it was exactly how I remembered it. He he gave up home runs in his first four Orioles appearances. <laughs> so not K-Rod, he's H-Rod. And after that, Buck just sort of, you know, he, he came in for mop-up duty and he was just a, a bum.
0: I can't imagine why I forgot about him, right? Right. Uh Michael Morris. We
1: remember the bad around here. Yeah.
0: Well, Michael Morris I do remember coming in and just being completely useless. That's worthless. He was worthless. And, you know, he, he, when when we got him, it was such a good idea because, you know, power bat almost like the trumbo effect. Like, God, can you imagine what that's gonna be like at Camden Yards? And not so much. There was injury involved, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Which he didn't tell anyone until after the season. Which again, thank you, Paul, for for the reminder yeah he was like one for tw- three for 20 something they were all singles and then that was I believe that was 2013 mm-hmm. 2014 after the uh, the Royal the World Series he had a huge home run yeah. for the Giants in San Francisco and I was that's where <laughs> it's it doesn't feel good to see it in orange and black when it's not us exactly beating the Royals
0: <laughs> but uh, I here's a here's a good one that I'd forgotten. Completely forgotten about Matt Lindstrom. Matt Lindstrom was an incredibly useful reliever for us, um, and I don't remember which year that was. Maybe 2012. But Matt Lindstrom, yeah, because
1: um, he was traded for Joe Saunders. Right,
0: right. Okay, so maybe it was 13 at this point
1: because oh. because 12 would have been the wild card. Game oh, because we picked Joe up Saunders. Saunders, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right.
0: But uh, Matt uh, Matt Lindstrom was was instrumental in a lot of meaningful Orioles baseball, and and uh, you know a guy that was. A pivotal arm back there in the bullpen in kind of the early days of the Orioles bullpen being rock being solid, great, yeah. Uh, but again, just completely drifted out of my brain.
1: I do believe, and you know, listeners, correct me if I'm wrong. I think Matt Lindstrom was the first one to cue us in on Buck Showalter's usage of the term "dry hump." I remember it on it was on 105.7. They were interviewing Matt Lindstrom, and he said "dry hump," and I am pretty sure it was Jeremy Cond has lost his mind. And ever since then <laughs> the I've got ever, ever since then we've known you know, you say dry hump, we know oh you gotta relieve it and put him back down. And I believe we have Matt Lindstrom to thank for that.
0: Well, we have Matt Lindstrom to to thank for so many things. Um one last thing that we, we haven't talked about and I think demands attention. Uh the fact that the trade deadline has passed has come and gone without the Orioles bring back Steve Pierce into the organization is It's the death of a proud Baltimore tradition. I I don't understand why there wasn't even talk of it.
1: Did the trade deadline really pass if the Orioles haven't brought back Steve Pierce yet? That's a good question. I mean, I guess it could always happen in August. Did you see that Steve Pierce has hit walk-off grand slams twice in the past week? Derek, I've read that. I choose not to believe it. Choose not to watch it. I choose not to believe it.
0: In my heart of hearts, he doesn't want to help them.
1: He is the third player in history to have two of those in one season and he had them in the span of i believe five days Uh, yesterday's was off of bud norris it was 2014 (laughs) orioles all over the place up there in toronto
0: it was just it was an orioles connection everywhere speaking of the 2014 orioles by the way the 2014 orioles season is being replayed (laughs) this week or the the 2014 uh postseason is being replayed at canyon yards this week that that's a series with the royals followed by a series with the Detroit Tigers. And during a rough se- uh, season, I just got to tell you, it hurts. It hurts to have to watch this. It really does.
1: It hurts to watch, it hurts to think about um it hurts that it's not only the teams are the same. Currently, it's one to one in the ninth inning <laughs> and Chris Davis just dropped a throw from it looks like the ball maybe broke his glove. Now, are you saying that you yes, think that the ball <laughs> broke Chris Davis's glove with Zach Britton on the mound in the ninth inning in a tie game? Tell me that's not something that would have happened in 2014.
0: Are you saying that maybe we're in store for a two to one loss in a game against the Royals at
1: Canyon Yards? I don't know what would ever bring that to your mind, but uh, yeah, let's um, let's turn away from that television.
0: Well, I tell you what, uh, let's turn to something that you are a little more familiar with. Um, Look, we've brought something back on this program. It largely in part to your uh your your campaigning. And I am going to need your help this week. When it comes- And down, inside and out, and I would just like to point out this shows what a true gentleman I am. In Scott's absence, I could have played whatever version of this song I wanted, but I will uh, I will leave it to uh, to tradition. Scott won this week's fair and square. There was a little bit of drama last week, and frankly, he and I were a mess about this. Um, we were arguing over who had won. Not realizing that we were defending the position that the other had taken the previous week, because uh, apparently not even we listen to our own show. Um, but I am big enough to admit when things don't go my way. Last week's category was an either or. I pit uh, Hyunsu Kim's at bats against Joey Rickard's hits, and I got to tell you, things got off to a marvelous start for me. I was really excited. Uh, Rickard got two hits in the same game, and I was like, I'm in the money. There's no way that Hyun Soo Kim is going to get more than than two at-bats or that Rickard is going to stop hitting. Except he did just that. So that was all she wrote. Kim totaled four at-bats, and so Scott takes this one fair and square, takes it clean, uh, but the score, troublingly, is now three to nothing with two ties in Scott's favor. So this week, Derek... um, you, you, by the way, may have single-handedly brought Fantasy back from the dead. And for that, I can only thank you because that uh, the Deep Cuts thing was was getting ugly in a hurry. Um, but so now you have the distinct pleasure of choosing the Fantasy Boss category this week and playing in Scottstead. So here we are. It's house money.
1: What do you got for us? So first off, thanks for giving me credit for bringing back Fantasy Boss. Always a big fan of um i'm you're sor- the one i'm sorry to see you down 30 to 2 i believe when i lobbied for it to come back i was really hoping for a comeback season from jake um, i gotta tell you i won every one i've I won every season
0: of fantasy boss that's all right
1: one, which is ridiculous that, that, that is can't ridiculous count. um it fantasy boss helped me get you know learn a little bit more about those nerd stats from scott um we are not using nerd stats this week Excellent. Yeah, so I, I figured with you know you and I here and the nerd elsewhere, you know. we're just
0: going to emote at each other for a week.
1: <laughs> All right. So you already mentioned the AL Central's coming to town. The last time the O's played the uh, Royals and Tigers was back in May. Again, in back-to-back series, they lost five of those six games. All five of them, Jake, by one run. Yeah. Oh. Three to two. Four to three. Nine to eight. Five to four. And six to five. Show me no more spit. It five different one run score losses. It's brutal. So, with the Royals in town again, we just talked about Chris Davis's glove breaking in half trying to catch a ball in the ninth inning. Let's get frustrated. No, no, Look, no I don't want to. What will there be more of this week? Orioles wins or Orioles one run losses? Oh, geez.
0: <laughs> okay. So, uh, I mean, you got to break that down. And do you think that the Orioles will win more games or lose more games? Clearly, I'm a pessimist right now, so I think they're going to lose more games. Will they lose more one run games than they win. I'm going to go. I hate this. I'm going to go with wins. I think that the Orioles are going to win more games than they lose, in gut-wrenching, horrible fashion, awful
1: Royals fashion.
0: Uh, but I don't have any confidence in that. <laughs> So, Scott's going to take uh, probably again the week. He's going to take the one run losses. I'm going to take wins. And when none of us can remember this next week, uh, please tweet us to let us know what positions it was that we took.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the move on Twitter that lets us know will sort of reflect how the week went.
0: And here's the thing uh, if you are tired of Scott and I, uh, floundering over the the different uh categories feel free to tweet tweet us some suggestions uh you know it's not up to derek to save this podcast week in week out you can find us at Bird's Eye View B A L and uh we'd be happy to consider your category for an upcoming fantasy boss but uh please pick ones that i can win in that case we're gonna wander on along and go to the good the bad and the ugly that's right it's time again for the good the bad And the Ugly. This is the part of the program where we tell you who made us proud to be Orioles fans, who made us ashamed to be Orioles fans, and, well, what was worse than that? So, Derek, take it away.
1: What is your good for this week? Thank you, Jake. My good for the week, Kevin Gossman. In two starts last week, Kevin Gossman pitched 14 and two-thirds innings, giving up 12 hits, 6 walks, 16 strikeouts in those 14 innings, and no earned runs. Excuse me? Not a single earned run say it again kevin gossman oh and as a result of this and you know kevin gossman i believe his last three starts he's allowed maybe one earned run he's having another great second half i would like to propose that kevin gossman start spring training this year at about thanksgiving
0: i like it maybe maybe the world baseball classic every year yeah for kevin, for kevin gossman yeah. i like that all right my good this week is the cap 10 and it wasn't just the catch 2.0 though i mean that would have been enough, right? That
1: was amazing. That was a that was great catch. The showboating—I wasn't sure if he had it. Uh, you know, I thought it was like, "Oh, I almost had that," and then it just pulled the ball out. It was gorgeous. Nice. I, you
0: know, I think that the Adam Jones' defensive prowess is a is a discussion that you know the stats, the defensive stats don't back it up that he's a good center fielder, and I think that his range is diminishing, and I think that he's never been a, a cane, right? Um, but every once in a while. He flashes that he still got it. And uh, speaking
1: of the World Baseball Classic, by the way, <laughs> right?
0: But it's not just the catch 2.0, and that would have been enough. But Adam Jones actually had it going on out of the leadoff spot offensively this week with 158 weighted runs created plus. And uh, you know, I mentioned the leadoff spot, but somebody's got to do it, and uh, it's nice. It's nice to see Adam Jones do well. You know, there are so many times where it's cringe worthy to watch him bat, but. I love it when Adam Jones does well. He's one of my favorite players to root for. Uh, so he's my good
1: this week. All right, very good. Let's uh, let's move on to the bad. My bad this week, Darren O'Day. O'Day, in three innings pitched, he, he managed to strike out five guys, but he also gave up two more gopher balls, making for four in his last six outings. And Darren O'Day has had a problem like this before. I'm sure you remember. It was uh, late 2014 very convenient time for you know to ha- 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 speak with the Royals and
0: I, I choose not to remember
1: great time to have your one of your best relievers struggling um, he was able to bounce back um, you know it, it turned out that he was he, he was dealing with some injuries I, I believe he had some shoulder problems earlier this year I'm just wondering if maybe he's still a little bit hurt and um, as, a, as a matter of fact I'm not wondering I'm declaring on the beB podcast that their new day is hurt and I will not hear another word about it haters is it is it? Is <laughs> it? Is it
0: possible that our hearts are just hurting because of Darren O'Day? No comment.
1: <laughs> All right.
0: My bad for this week is Manny Machado. Manny Machado still not getting it done, no matter what the batted ball velocity says. Manny Machado is struggling. He had a 15 weighted runs creative plus and a 201 WOBA this week. Ugh. Luck or not, it's gross. It's gross, and not only is it gross, but it's gross out of the second hole. Now, here's the thing I don't understand. At what point do you jiggle the lineup to try to get the guys that are actually hitting up to the top?
1: You know, Manny's at a point where he's trying to salvage his season, basically, you know, to to, to point at and say, you know, I wasn't that bad this year. I I swear he can't afford to have weeks like this. You know, he he had gotten the, 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 the batting average, which again, Scott's not here. He punched me his batting average. he had gotten it up above two forty. It was, you know, it was climbing in the right direction. Then he, he has a, a terrible week like this.
0: I, I'm going to have to disagree with you. Manny Machado can absolutely afford to have a bad week. He can have a bad season, and he's going to do nothing to keep him from making
1: a crap ton of money. You're absolutely right. Isn't that sad?
0: Yeah. I mean, he's done nothing to hurt his value at all. The only thing he's done, I would argue, is hurt his trade value if the Orioles <laughs> were going to try to unload him this year. But he is still going to make all that money.
1: Yep. Ugh.
0: But, yeah, um defense still good
1: yeah absolutely a lot
0: of fun to watch yes um i'm trying to soak it up because it might not always
1: right especially not just manny but some of the double plays he's turned just over the last week with scope it's gorgeous and orioles fans you know i say this on twitter a lot and people push back and say it you know i get sad because we don't have much of it to watch left you know what live in the moment guys (laughs) enjoy that every single time you see it it's always gorgeous and You know, don't think about when we're not going to watch that anymore because when that comes, you'll have plenty of sad things to occupy your mind. All right. That's sad. Let's get ugly. Let's get ugly. We have talked about this guy already. But again, my ugly Mr. Mark Trumbo, when he happened to find that pothole, he was one for his last 21 and oh, for his last 19. Just looking like a complete bum up there and this is why Orioles Twitter was so excited when we thought maybe we had traded him. Watch, on Sunday. Hug watch.
0: Yeah, Trumbo is. Uh, Ooh, good thing we gave him all that money, right?
1: And again, you can never predict the future in a vacuum. I was, I was fine with that at the time. Yeah. I thought, you know, Major League home run leader for what thirty-seven and a half million. We, we he was looking for eighty. This is, this is a great deal for us.
0: And the thing is, you look at him hitting 47 home runs or whatever it was, and he, if he's going to regress, okay. Yeah, 40. You know, all right. Maybe he hits you know, 30, right. 25, whatever. Oof, I wasn't ready for this. Nope. But it makes me think that there's there's room to go up next year. He can't always be this bad, right? Tell me he can't always be this Derek, tell me he Jake, can't always be this bad.
1: I think we just found the motto for the 2018 Orioles. Can't he he can't bad. always be this bad. <laughs> all right <laughs>
0: jeez, depressing shows my uh ugly goes to dandy cat uh dandy cat has put himself in a position where he could not please us he could not make us happy and he's exceeded and for that he's ugly for all the reasons we talked about dandy cat has put himself above the organization i know there are a lot of fans that are saying 2018 or bust and that is the proper thing to do i disagree and i think that today was a good uh, display of that, the Orioles it seems are going to make a run at the playoffs this year because uh, because they think they can, and they're going to make a run next year, and they're doing it with one arm tied behind their back, which is the fact that there's just there's not enough in the cover to make it happen. And uh, I would appreciate the the team having enough foresight uh, to admit that and then fix it. But instead, well, we're going to get to watch what we get to watch. So this week, my ugly goes to Dan Duquette. And the Orioles organization for whatever it is that we get in the next year and a half. And again, if they make it next year, I I look forward to eating that crow. That is gonna that's gonna do it for the good, the bad, and the ugly. And if it's all right with you, this is the time of the program where we like to uh we like to go out on a low note. We're gonna go ahead and blow the save. Something else happened this week that we should probably talk about, in the fact that uh, the Orioles were part of history. That they were. The Orioles were part of history as uh, yet another opponent hit a milestone, hit Re- reached an achievement of epic proportion um, at our expense. But I'll, I'll tell you something, Adrian Peterson. <laughs> that would be someone has football in the brain. No, unfortunately not. But let me tell you something. Watching. Adrian Beltre hit his 3,000th hit. That was fun. That was fun, and it got to the point where, in a meaningless loss for the opposing team, I was kind of glad to see that happen. Uh, You know, he seems like a decent guy uh, who not only plays the game well, but plays the game hard, loves playing the game, and loves the environment of baseball. You know, he's always got a smile, he's always cracking jokes, he's always fun. Uh, Adrian Beltre is one of those good guy stories of Major League Baseball, and it was fun to be able to Celebrate that on a baseball level more than having to worry about, you know, whether somebody grooved a pitch or whatever. Um, it, it was a unique experience for the Orioles where, for once, we were on the downside of history and it didn't break my heart.
1: Yeah. Um, you're right. It was fun. Um, I tweeted something and, you know, I'm going to keep bringing up Twitter because right now, tw- O's Twitter is the best place to be for Orioles fans at this point. Um, it happened in the middle of an inning where in Wade Miley – the Orioles just gone up 4 nothing, I believe, and Wade Miley was doing the typical Orioles starter thing of shutdown inning? No. <laughs> Here we go. And I tweeted that something like we now interrupt something that happens every single day to bring you the 31st time something has ever happened, of course, to someone getting their 3,000 hit. Some people thought I was sort of poo-pooing it and saying this is stupid to tap 31 times – Absolutely not. Um, I was fine with you know with stopping the game, giving him you know his due, his, his family running out to let down the banner. That's awesome. That's mm-hmm. a great baseball thing. That's one of you know one of the things that again we're emoting you and I. It it makes baseball fun. I had no problem with that.
0: Yeah, and, and it, it evokes the Ripken thing. You know? yeah, yeah, I mean, there's nobody in Baltimore that had a dry eye during the uh, the the fifth inning of the 2131 game and and this is the same thing you know this is their 2131 and for beltray you know it's fantastic to see that you know this uniquely baseball moment was not only embraced by their fans it happened at their park but also by the orioles and you know we got a chance to to you know look in in that window too
1: yeah yeah and um (laughs) <laughs> One of the funnier parts, you know, the Orioles stopped and gave him high five, and Adam Jones rubbed his head, which, as we all know, is a no-no for Adrian Beltre, and Beltre responded with a little cup check, <laughs> and um Adam tweeted, uh, Beltre, you the man, 3,000 hits, a bunch of emojis, special that I was able to be on the field when it happened, hashtag cup check, hashtag no cup, all me. <laughs> <laughs> that's fun yeah no we're uh, having uh, fun out here and the orioles won so this is nothing like the jeter nonsense which i think you maybe were alluding to
0: no never i would i would never remember such a thing but again we're gonna blow the save great fun a great baseball moment and hey you know what that's our show Remember, you can find this and our entire indispensable catalog of episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com.
1: Birdseye View is a proud member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Hi, Zach. Ijab. You can find this show on baltimoresportsreport.com slash network. Also on Baseball Talk Radio, the home of great baseball talk. Birdseye View
0: is available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play Music, and we'd appreciate a rating and a review. It helps establish what's called social proof about the show and encourages new listeners to check it out.
1: Engage with the fellows on social media. You can find them on Instagram, Facebook, Google Plus, and Snapchat. Of course, the best way to get a hold of them, I've been pimping it all show on Twitter. They tweet at B A L, and you can find me at UtahSTReport.
0: Derek, thank you so much for pinch-hitting. Again, Scotty, unavailable, uh, taking a, a well-deserved break. Uh, in addition to Twitter, where else can we find you on the webs?
1: Uh, you can find my stuff at uh, UtahStreetReport.com. Um If you happen to be a Ravens fan, russellstreetreport.com. Um, I would put our Ravens writers up with anybody out there. Um, I promise that hopefully there won't be too much more Kaepernick stuff coming up, although um, I think I might have fanned the flames a bit, this morning with a piece. But hey, um, at Utah ST Report, if you have any interest in what I personally have to say, you probably don't. You can find me at Be More Birds Nest. And hey, I want to thank Mr. English for having me. Um, I've been on the show before on the phone. It's a pleasure to finally be at the illustrious SD Studios. I had a blast. Um, it was fun pinch hitting for Mr. Magnus.
0: And with that, following and beyond, we'll catch you next time. In the words of a wise man, be safe out there. Adieu adieu. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.